0: This is, this is going to be a real interesting, I think, real interesting study tonight, I hope. So it's talking about this idea of eating meat. It does not give us an incredible amount of details. Um, because we do have other passages that actually refer to this. But it's meat that's sacrificed to idols. Is Romans 14 meat sacrificed to idols? Maybe. Does it say? It doesn't. We don't know. Okay, I mean, if you want to be, if you want to just look at what the text says, we we don't know. It it might. So what's this bit about meat? sacrifice to idols so we're going to say that maybe it was how's that so we're going to kind of go there is that better okay so what's this idea of meat sacrifice to idols they would take meat and they would offer it to a false god and um what would happen is, is they would offer it to the god but the god didn't want it right so instead of letting it sit there, they would grab it, and they would put it into the meat market. And so depending on the city, it's possible. Now, this is where I've I got to be careful because I always like to see it in black and white. In other words, I like to see some good documentation. But it, it could have been that during the – in the food markets that – most of the meat may have been offered to idols, and that's why it was there in the food market. That's possible. Um, I haven't found a good source that said that was the case. I've heard plenty of pastors say that that's exactly what was going on. Your mileage may vary. Okay, so it could refer to this idea of meat offered to idols. But the thing is, is, is Paul is uh, is real clear about what is an idol. It's nothing. It's a false god. It's it's nothing. It's a piece of wood. It's a piece of stone. It doesn't mean anything. And and so he was saying that if you are not bothered by it, then you could partake of it. But if it bothered someone else, for conscience sake, you would be better to not... um, don't know what's going on here tonight you would be better to not partake so and the conscience sake was okay i got it now okay all right i'm back all right but the conscience sake was for what was termed as the weaker brother which i did some digging on that word in the greek weaker you know what it means it means weaker okay uh, and, and and what's that yeah, me too me too because i was wondering if it was if there wasn't something in the translation that might have been more interpretive because it says in romans 14 that this essentially implies the person of faith eats the meat. The person who is weak just eats vegetables only. Now it's not talking about someone who has a conviction that they just want to eat vegetables only because they don't want to eat animals, or that because of their the, the way their body processes some food they're better off just to eat vegetables. But this is the the um, the distinction that Paul makes. All right, um, so I. I I'll get in trouble for saying this from somebody. I know that. But I, I felt like he was almost too heavy with his words here. That's just my opinion. Your mileage may vary. Um, but so he's saying there's nothing wrong with eating meat offered to idols. Um, or in this case, even wine. He said, he later, later he says it in Romans 14. Because wine was considered what? It was an offering. It was considered a a, pour, uh, a drink offering that was given to the Lord, and they used wine over the top of the offering. It was kind of like this topping that they would put on on the offering that they gave. And, and so um, Paul is, is saying here in Romans 14 that the, the person who is of faith, supposedly, is someone who eats meat, and the person who is weaker in the faith, they eat, do not eat meat because they are worried about the effects of eating something, maybe, possibly, offered to an idol. Maybe not. We don't know for sure. Okay? So this, that is the case study, if you will. But this opens up to a whole lot of possibilities. Now, let me throw you another curveball because I just can't resist doing that sometimes. Acts 15. I think it's Acts 15. I forgot to mark it in my Bible. Um, The Jerusalem Council. What's that? Uh, I'm going to go further. I'm going to go toward the end. Uh, after they, After the council hammers out this whole problem, see, this was almost like eating meat offered to idols. Why? Because the question was, could Gentiles come into the church and be saved and not become Jews? So, in other words, how much was required for them to be considered converted? Which is an interesting question when you start to think about it. And so in verse 24, they write a letter to the Gentile churches. Now, these are, this is Jerusalem council, uh, mainly, consist, if not all, consisting of Jews. The head of Jerusalem council was whom? Essentially, it was James, the brother of, or if you must, the half-brother of Jesus, okay? And they write in verse 24, greeting. since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with words, unsettling your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good to us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men to you, our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives, for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we therefore have sent Judas and Silas, who also reported the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good t- to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. Notice he called they call them necessary. That you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, Sexual immorality, if you keep yourself from these, you will do well. Farewell. So according to, now, okay, according to the Jerusalem Council, um, of which Paul was a part of, they're telling them to abstain from things offered to idols. It's referring to meat offered to idols, I believe. It could refer to other things. I think that's, so, again, um, but I haven't found anything that would indicate anything else. But Paul goes right around in First Corinthians and says, um, there's nothing wrong with eating meat offered to idols in and of itself. So I, th- that's a contradiction, isn't it? Who's right? <laughs> Don't point at me. I have no idea because it seemed right to the the Holy Spirit and to them, according to them, right? But Paul then tells us in, in Romans 14, Receive one who is weak in the faith, but do not dispute over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eat only vegetables. Now, again, we have... I know some people that are vegetarians, right? And I don't think this, right, I don't think this is talking about, I think if you make a conscious decision for whatever reason to only eat vegetables or fruits or, you know, to not eat meat, I don't think that that's what this is really referring to. I think there's something else behind this. Probably meat that was offered to idols, but Paul does not say that here in Romans 14. So see where it gets a little sticky? and I want to stay true to the, faith, to the to the word rather than to try to interject from other passages uh, like in 1 Corinthians uh, where he, he talked about, yes, you can do this, but if it's going to violate someone's conscience, then don't do it. And essentially what he says in both of these passages is, therefore, then keep your business to yourself. So do we have meat that's offered to idols today? We do. What kind? Sirloins? New York? Um, how would you substitute this into today's? What's that? Bacon? There, there is, there is that, there are okay, This is where it gets really interesting because there are some groups that that still believe you should you should live and eat kosher. Christian groups, and they're not all Jew, not all messianic Jews, by the way. Some of them will also tell you that you have to worship on the seventh day, and they're vegetarians, actually. Um, Kosher refers to a a food that is pure, it's either, it's either, what's that? Well, it's blessed, but it's also approved by God. And if it's processed, it's not processed with different oils or byproducts or anything from food that would not be, and it's out of Torah. For instance, bacon, bacon, thank you. Uh, it's, not, it's not kosher because it was one of the foods that God said, don't eat it. Okay. So essentially, what is kosher is that which is listed as uh, approved in Torah. And actually, to me, in some regards, and I don't know, I, I cook my bacon pretty well, but not like Daniel. Um, but it, it would probably would do us well. Physically to eat kosher. But there is no requirement, I believe, in the New Testament to eat kosher. Um, but w- what does the meat represent today? Things offered to idols. Or things that are contentious. Remember, we're in Romans 14. It doesn't say this meat was offered to idols. It simply says to us that, that um, gosh, I get too many Bibles here, I get lost. It simply says to us, for one who believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. And let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. And let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. Yes, but this would be possibly, Possibly. maybe, this is not referring to offerings given to the priest this is referring to meat that may have been uh, offered to idols possibly it was given to the priest and, right, so. yes but they they would eat it right. and and for instance as one example there's the showbread that are the 14 12 12 pieces of bread that are on the on the show on the table uh in the in the holy place the pre that was for the priest to eat once a week and they had to eat it in the holy place so that that meat was sanctified and set apart made holy if you will for the use of of the priest so i think this would be referred god did yeah No, the priest did. And it was a certain flour that was baked a certain way, and and then it was set on display. The, the showbread, 12 small loaves, represented the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, I you said you this today, is yeah. Yeah, I, I, I what this is talking about, where it's talking about the weaker brother, uh, and gosh, there were a lot of ideas on this, but... The, the idea of the weaker person is they are weak in respect to their faith. And, and now think about where he's going here with this. Because remember one of my favorite sayings is that I don't dance and I don't drink and I don't chew and I don't go with girls who do, right, or that was that. Now, is there anything wrong with adhering to that? No, not really. If you smoke too much, you're probably going to end up with lung cancer. Or if you chew too much tobacco, you could have problems when, orally. Uh, if you drink too much, you could end up becoming an alcoholic. Um, if you go with girls who do, I'm not going to go down that road. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, let, me, let me find it again. So, no, it's fine. Um, and so they're good suggestions. Those things are good suggestions. Does the Bible teach, I'm going to go back to alcohol again, does the Bible teach abstinence? I don't think so. What is the most commonly used element used as a metaphor, particularly in the Psalms for joy? Wine. Check it out. It it talks about wine being a symbol for joy. So, can that be misused? Obviously. But can we? Because pr- I, I tried. I tried to teach abstinence. Because I grew up in a church that says, "Thou You know, you can't drink, you can't chew, you can't smoke, can't go. Girls who do. I mean, down south, and I remember I almost went to a college in Texas, and they allowed you to smoke on campus. It was Christian Baptist school. They allowed you to, to smoke on campus. It was part of the culture. Uh, and this was in the mid '70s. I'm thinking that's. You know? Mm-hmm. I, th- I think the first verse of this chapter would confirm that. Um, I did bring in the element of offering meat sacrifice to idols two reasons. One, it might have been the case. All right? So, you know, I'm speculating. You know that. Second of all, a lot of people I know when they read this passage, their mind goes back to that idea uh, that's given to us in First Corinthians. Um, it's actually... First Corinthians chapter eight. If you, we, I'm not going to take the time to unpack that, but but what it tells us here, that, and thank you for that, Brian. Uh, what it, what it tells us here is to receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. What does ESV? What does it say? Verse one. I like that. Yeah, do do not quarrel over opinions, which is called doubtful things. Uh, what did you have there? Whatever, whatever translation you want to throw at us, Brian. Uh, just verse one. Okay. Disputable matters, right and wrong, opinions which I think, that's still still my favorite. Sorry, you guys. (laughs) Anyway, but uh, because some of these things are of an opinion. Um, A sensitive conscience. Yeah, and I, I don't like the translation weak here. Be honest with you, because I think it implies someone who is undeveloped in their faith. And what this now follow me on this one. Okay. I'm going off the map a little bit. All right. Some people have a more of an ascetic lifestyle. And and in other words, they have a stricter lifestyle that they impose upon themselves. And they often do it as a way of—that's how they—they—they—it's it, a form of worship, I think. Uh, for instance, I—I I observed Lent, um, and and it was a form of worship um, for me for, th- for this past forty days before Easter to 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 uh, uh, fast over certain things. And to use that as an opportunity not only to worship God but particularly in those times that I totally forgot that I was fasting because <laughs> it happened right it was a reminder of god 's grace, and it was a reminder of god 's mercy and it would immediately bring me back to I, i've set this aside for a period of time for a particular purpose now let me let me let me pray about that. let me think about that, let me reflect on that and and i I didn't. I didn't feel the necessity to, to try to put that on any of you. Uh, that's my calling. Um, if that feels like your calling next year, let me know. But I. I didn't feel like I had to say, "Hey, let's all do Lent together." After all, Doug had to bring it out. <laughs> I was. I was. I was given this tonight, so I got to play with it. Anyway. You wouldn't. you wouldn't you wouldn't right you wouldn't I mean I, I've caught I shouldn't tell on them but we had a I'm going to we had a lively discussion last month about meeting someone in a drinking establishment. Well, what they don't understand is the best breakfast place in sisters, you have to be 21 to get in there to have breakfast, right? You know, although I would say that spoons has given them a run for their money, all right. But anyway, um I mean, and I didn't even realize that. I went into to to the gallery one morning for breakfast. We met for breakfast, right? And Then this family comes in, they're like, I'm sorry, we're 21 and over. I'm thinking it's 9 o'clock in the morning, for goodness sake. But anyway, uh, and I understand, whatever. But but the idea of not causing someone to stumble, if I can set that aside, we are at liberty to do these type of things. And for those who have a more sensitive conscience, unless going back to verse 1, you receive them in faith, but you don't receive them so that you can fix them. That's what it's really saying. One of the things that I try not to do, and some of you have bad theology in my opinion. I'm sorry, but okay. And I'm sure you feel that way about me, and that's okay when we still get along and we still love each other and we can still fellowship together, And but I if, if you ever want to discuss it, I'll discuss it, but it's not my mission to try to fix it because of what you believe. But at the same time, I don't want you to try to fix me. I've had folks try to fix, sorry, Brian, I've had folks try to fix me. It, 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 I can, it didn't work well. Um, we do have certain things that we see differently. And the reality is, is that we can, as Christians, as the body of Christ, we can take the same Bible and we can come with some different interpretations and even the development of different systematic theologies. The fact that we can do that tells us that some of this stuff is really. Now, I understand your, I'm going to, Brian, what you said earlier. Literal translation, read it in the context of which it was written, and I understand that. That's one form of how the Jews would interpret one of four, by the way. But, um, but to be able to have these things and to have different opinions, I mean, I've watched people fight over translations, And my my personal feeling about this, and maybe you've done this, and I'm sorry to say this, and I'm not trying to hurt your feelings if you have done this, because I probably did way back when. But most of the people that I know who have fought over translations, they really weren't qualified to even weigh in in the argument. They really weren't. It's like an E3 trying to tell you what to do, or you what to do. You know, when you were an E9 and you were an E8, Right? Or, or a, a nurse's aide. Well, sometimes you got to listen to them, right? As a doctor, you know, because they're there with the patient, and you're uh, you're wise to listen to them. But um, w- these things become places of contention, and they become places that 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 we're going to receive you, but we're going to fix you, and that's disrespectful. And it, it you know I know there are certain things I believe that are probably wrong. I just don't know what they are. I'm let's go back to verse one. <laughs> there are certain things you believe that I believe are wrong but but nonetheless it's this the the, the whole idea here is this and and Particularly when it comes to things like certain foods, certain beverages. Now, if if you drink too much, that's called, the Bible has a name for that. It's called drunkenness, all right? And that's a sin. If you're abusing alcohol, it's drunkenness. And, but again, and I tried to at one time. I really racked my brain trying to go through the scriptures, trying to teach abstinence. And I gave up because I don't think you can. Um. And – but nonetheless, we're not ever going to play float the keg at any of our gatherings, okay? I I just don't think that's a wise thing to do. Sorry, Brian. (laughs) Brian's like, why not? But but, uh, I will tell you a story, though, and this just popped into my head. We we had a a fair amount of folks – this is years ago – and most of them drank. And somebody had a a party at their house, and there was was a a woman sitting outside in a chair – and there was a bench. So I sat down next to her, and I was talking to the woman, right? And we were talking for maybe 20 minutes or so, and it was a friend of Mary's. And so Mary comes out. I said, well, here, come sit down and talk to Lisa, you know? And so Mary sat down, and, and she was talking probably for another half hour or so. So for an hour, one of us had been sitting on this bench. Come to find out, the bench was the cooler for all the alcoholic beverages. And I, neither one of us knew, Right? And so finally, someone comes up to Mary and says, oh, "Mike, Mary, it's only my second one. It's only my second, you know." And but you know, nonetheless, uh, we inadvertently kept the drinking down. That you know, and I didn't know there was going to be alcohol there, but you know, because I I just didn't entertain the idea. But I thought that was kind of funny. But um, and, and you know, and so if you abstain from certain things and you do it as unto the Lord, if you abstain from alcohol, and you do it as unto the Lord, um, then that's an act of worship. But if you also remember that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lies, of whom there is no variance or shadow of turning, the book of James, chapter 1, then you, you receive that which you receive, whether it be meat or whether it be drink, uh, you receive that which you receive as an with an act of thanksgiving. And so if you don't now I'm, I'm going to impose a little bit here all right just a little bit. if you don't pray before you eat, let me encourage you to do so. because I, I know people they're Christians and they they've they just never got into that habit but let me encourage you to pray and thank God for what he's what, what you're about to eat. Yeah, you know, and, 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 and just be, be – uh, and, and to receive the food with the spirit of thanksgiving. Um, and, and so, again, I, I think I've really touched on two and three. Um, particularly, l- let not the one who eats despise him who does not eat. Let not the reader of the New American, uh, the new American Standard despise the reader of the New International, new, uh, international Version. Uh, or the English Standard Version or whatever it is that Brian wants to pull out for the, for the version of the week. Um, and, and, and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. And, and then the, the question is, who are you to judge another man's servant? I think he's getting really um, sharp here. And I had a situation, this is years ago. None of you were even here except for the Perkins lived here, but they weren't attending our church then because they've they've lived here forever. So I can't say you weren't here in Central Oregon. But I had a situation when someone was, was just judging me left and right. You know, the funny thing is, for the life of me, I could not even remember what it was. I couldn't remember what this individual was judging me about. But I took this verse and I put it on a big sheet of paper in big print, and I stuck it on my refrigerator. And I, and, and I it, you know, who are you to judge another man's servant? And, and that was just to remind me who I had to answer to. Because the fear of man brings a snare, Proverbs tell us. And, and so, but who are we, flip that around, who are we to judge? Who are we to judge another man's servant? So what, what, what is that implying? That's what I'm looking for, yes. that. Who are you to judge another servant? You know, uh, because to his own master, he stands or falls. So the reality, and, and I think what what is not said here, but I think it's strongly implied here, is that if you choose to abstain from certain things, and if you do, That's fine. But if you choose to abstain from certain things, don't think that God is going to give you greater favor. Don't think that God's going to give you greater favor. And second of all, don't think that you're more spiritual. Because thirdly, it gets worse. Don't put trust in your ability to abstain. Because uh, I'm not thinking okay, all of a sudden now I'm, I'm I'm not drinking I'm not chewing I'm not dancing I'm not going with girls who are doing right um, so now I, I'm 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 saved right it, this isn't a matter this isn't a matter of salvation but this is a matter of it, it, am I going to get more of God's favor am I going to get more of God's favor if I abstain from this am I going to be able to stand better if I abstain because if that's if we start to believe that then we're trusting in our own works and we are trusting in our own self-righteousness. Does that make sense? Because I cannot make me stand. or I'm not, I do not have the ability to make me stand. You do not have the ability to make yourself stand. Uh, to his own master he stands and fall, or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand. He will be made to stand for God is able to make him stand, whether he eats meat or not, whether he drinks wine or not, whether he reads the NIV, sorry, or not. Um, I do, by the way, at times. I'm just playing with you. Or even the ESV, for that matter, all right, which is actually one of my favorite translations lately. So, um, that's my translation of the month, although I don't have one with me tonight. I have three New King James. Um, So, that's, that's really the, the crux of really what this entire chapter is talking about because I cannot judge another man's servant because I have to recognize that I am nothing more than a servant as well. And if God is able to make you stand despite what you do or you don't do, then I have to also trust in the fact that God is able to make me stand despite what I do or I don't do. Because there are certain things in my life that I no longer do, and there are also things in my life now that I did not do earlier that now I feel the freedom to do, and so I do that. And that's kind of my, <laughs> okay. And 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 because I think we go through seasons. And, and so, um, now there are certain things that are pretty blatant, are they not? There are certain things that are pretty black and white, thou shall or thou shall not, right? There are certain things in the Bible, not here, not in Romans 14, all right, all right? But there are, I believe, there are a lot of areas that are not quite so definitive on what we are to do that is really a matter of conscience. And so I haven't forgotten you. so if it's a matter of conscience, then I need to take my conscience before god and say search me O god and know my heart try me and know my ways and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting am i trusting in the fact that i don't eat meat or am i trusting in you my lord and my god brian Mm -hmm. what verse are you uh, um starting at one Okay, good. That's a hard question, if yeah, he has a heart for God. right mhm right right let's make it let's make it more real than than sniffing a line of coke, what if they're homosexual, you know. Uh, or other things that are going on with them. And I, I, I think, I hate to ask it like that. I, I, did I, I didn't interrupt you, Don. Okay. Because I think, I think what you're talking about is something that a friend of mine shared me way back when I was in college the first time. And um, is that sometimes it's, it's based on what our container is like. How big is our container for our ability to really love and have a relationship with God? And I think as we grow in Christ, that container has the capacity to get bigger. But is it, um, I hate to use, well, I'll use it just for fun. Is it a shot glass? All right. Um, Or is it a a big water glass? Or is it a water pitcher? Uh, And what does our, our container, what is it filled with? And what is it capable of holding? How much of the love of God is it capable of holding? I think Romans fourteen one is a good companion to to Roman, excuse me, First Corinthians eight one through three, um, which is the idea that that love edifies, but knowledge uh, has a tendency to puff up. And so, as I read that, I thought, well, I better not ask you what translation you were reading from because that's knowledge. But anyway. Um, and so there is this fine line, because we cannot discount, all right, Now hear this, we can't discount the fact that God wants to do a sanctifying work in our life. However, I, well, I remember when I first played on a worship team at a, one church, I had a can of skull in my pocket, you know, and and because I chewed tobacco, and I, I didn't think it was an issue, and so... <laughs> I, I thought, whatever you do, you do, right, publicly. And and nobody ever said anything to me about it. I mean, you can tell when someone has a can of skull because usually you have that ring, right, either in the back pocket or in the front pocket. And, you know, I was up on stage playing the guitar, you know. and and uh, But eventually God told me, I remember it was plain as day, he said, if you want to keep doing worship, I want you to stop doing. I said, okay, I can do that. But nobody tried to invite me in, going back to Romans 14.1, so that you could say, you got to get rid of this, brother. Because it was funny, because the, the worship leader I played under was one of the most legalistic people I've ever met. But anyway, um, sorry, Mitch. But, um, a, and so I, I think there's there's th- those times that we have to really give room, uh, even Paul talked about this early in Romans, give room for vengeance. But I think we also have to give room for people to grow. Um, what I've found is that, that there, are, there are times that people just don't grow fast enough for my liking. Right? And so you just, you, you just have to be patient. And, but, but at the same time, I've remembered so many people. Uh, in my life that God put in my life I've been in church all my life but I wasn't always the best Christian but so many people gave me room and they they gave me room to grow and they gave me an opportunity uh, and when I failed they were still with me and um, and so this this really boils down to relationship or I mean we hardly even tapped into this uh, the idea of one person esteems one day above the others—it's kind of the same thing, though. Um, I, to me, Sundays are like—they're like high holy days to me. Easter is like a high holy day to me. Um, I know a guy who used to be a pastor, and he told me he was flying to Hawaii on Easter because he has a house over there he's, that he needs to repair. And i my first—you th- know what my first thought was? why in the world are you flying to Hawaii on Easter, for goodness sake? You know, but I thought, okay, let it go. Let it go, right? You know, um, and uh, because he <coughs> for whatever reason he is, maybe he doesn't hold that conviction. Maybe he does. I don't know. Uh, he gets mad at me enough anyway, so I decided not to ask him. But uh, um, it, it's It's those things that that we have to give each other some room. And you really learn to be gracious with others when you're around those that need your grace. Yeah. Um, And that's where I I think the question has to be asked in love at that point. You know, a few years down the road, if you're still living the same lifestyle that you lived before you became born again, what's going on? And and, – You know, so it's and there, so it, it's a matter. There's an old Pentecostal saying, and we're almost done. Um, but there's an old Pentecostal saying that says, "To be under the spout where the glory comes out." And so, for me to be under the spout where the glory comes out, or the grace comes out, it's been used interchangeably. Um, there are certain things that I have to set aside so I can get underneath that spout, and there are certain things that I that I have to. Uh, to me, that's what spiritual disciplines are all about: prayer and, and and fasting and giving and church attendance and 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 worship of, of various kinds. Uh, that's putting yourself in a place where you are available to God so that God can do a work in your life. And and I think that's. Sometimes that we 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 miss out on that uh, because we want everybody to get all cleaned up before they get under the spout. But the reality is you may only have the capacity to clean a third of the house. And then as you sit under the spout, then the, the Lord starts to show you things. I'm leading worship and God says to me, I want you to stop chewing tobacco. But. If I hadn't sat under the spout, I might not have heard that. And I'd probably have lip cancer today, right? So, you know, um, which would not, not be a good thing. So, yeah, I, I think it is a real fine line. And, but it, it goes back to who are we to judge another man's servant. Now, in, and I, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to close. First, first Timothy chapter 3, Titus chapter 1 is fairly clear in my mind about church leadership and qualifications for church leadership. And that's what I look at, especially when someone comes to me and they want to teach or they want to, usually it's they want to teach. What's going on in their life in comparison to those two passages? Because there are standards. Now, do I fall short? course I do don't we all but you keep going back to the spout where the glory comes out